Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. You are tuning into the after episode of a before and after birth story. My guest today was with us not long ago. Last time we spoke to her, she was imminently due with her second baby, and she had a difficult first birth experience and was planning to deliver her second baby as a VBAC, vaginal birth after cesarean, at home. Anastasia Rule, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Berlin. Hi. Hi, Hi. <laughs> gosh, great to have you again. I want to jump in because I don't know your birth story. I, as I like to do, even if I see you, which I haven't, I don't find out the birth story until we get on the podcast. So we can all hear it together. The last time I talked to you, you were very, very close to giving birth. How did the rest of your pregnancy go? Uh, it went well. Although, <laughs> so my second baby, I feel like repeated all the milestones of uh, pre-labor and labor as my first baby, except okay. he rewrote the story. So every milestone just turned out to be better. So the end of the pregnancy was great, but I did have a two-week warm, oh, warm-up labor again. I had okay, so that's alarm. milestone number one? Exactly. From the time um, your labor kind of starts happening, you get two weeks of, I don't yeah, know, orchestra intense. warming up? Mm-hmm. Intense contractions that would go on and on, but not intensify in any way. So I actually did call my doula and my midwife and my cousin to come watch my baby. The whole team, they all showed up, <laughs> but nothing happened for another two weeks. And then finally, my waters broke. So that was my second milestone. Same as with the first baby. What time of day? It was after 4 p.m., Okay. September 23rd. What were you doing at 4 p.m.? I was chopping a salad for oh. lunch or early dinner. You know what happens and when that happens? That becomes the next thing. People are like, oh, you're not in labor? Go ahead and chop a salad. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I lost my appetite. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. So you're chopping away and your water breaks. No confusion? Yes. Like it's definitely, oh, that's my water just broke? Definitely no confusion. It was very apparent. And my baby, my older one, was saying, oh, mommy has water between her legs. A <laughs> <laughs> um, night before, something popped. I felt like my maybe amniotic sac ruptured a little bit, but nothing happened a night before. So when the waters broke, I felt like, oh, makes sense. <laughs> so a little bit meconium came out, and that's milestone number three. That, that's being what, like the first poo of the baby. Mm-hmm. Except um, it was light. And this is before anybody got there. Yeah, it just happened like right away with the amniotic fluid. So we took photos and sent to Alex, the midwife, and she kind of said that it's okay. It's nothing dangerous, unlike the first time in my first labor when I had to transport to the hospital because the meconium was so bad, Very thick. so dark, yeah, yeah. And thick. So I'm like, okay, I can do this at home, laboring at home. So that's three milestones, same as the first, but a little different. Yes, exactly. And the most important difference is for you, I assume, is that you can stay home and continue laboring. Yes. And since I had a rehearsal, a, a false call alarm two weeks prior, I was actually very calm despite the broken waters and meconium. I was ready to labor and it was a very slow start. Honestly, it was all a blur in terms of time. Uh, <laughs> well, what's the difference? Because you were having contractions for weeks. So yeah. is there something different other than your ruptured membranes or is this a pattern change? 
for the first few hours, nothing changed. I would just have mild contractions. So I was a little bit frustrated because I was so ready to just keep going. And now my water's broke and I, I kind of felt a sense of urgency to get this baby out from the start. And we were going into a night. Uh, so my team arrived, my doula, my cousin to watch my older child. And nothing was happening much until deeper into the night when my husband and I just went to the bedroom and kind of slowed down for the day. So then I felt like, okay, now I'm feeling real contractions and something is happening. But then the midwife came maybe about 1 a.m., maybe 9 p.m. At that point, I lost track of time. And she said that uh, I'm just beginning laboring. I'm not dilated yet. So pretty much keep doing what you're doing. Try to sleep. And then I feel like my labor, after not progressing too much for the whole night, it kind of stopped in the morning. <laughs> As I got busy with my regular day, I did yoga, I did meditation, whatever was happening that Were day. Were you able to sleep overnight? Yeah. Yeah, because... Okay. Not much was happening, although I don't think I slept much because I was excited and nervous and I did feel contractions. They were just not picking up faster and faster and faster. So after a night of sleeping or not sleeping and waiting for contractions to pick up, I just went about my business on Friday morning. I did yoga, did meditation, and everything was like in a haze. <laughs> I felt very high and very confused. And I was also getting closer to the point when it would be 24 hours since my waters broke. But everything was fine. I didn't have any fever, so no signs of infection. I was given green light to keep laboring at home. After 24 hours, somehow the contractions just picked up and from what felt like zero or one, I went to maybe six or seven. And I so vividly remember this five minute long contraction that would just not oh, wow. stop. Yeah, I was just running. one like that or they became yes. five. Okay. Uh, yeah, just uh, one. Some, something like a switch went off. Yes. And my midwife warned me that if that was the point when I had a trauma beginning with my first labor, something will probably happen this time. So kind of like look out for that. And it did. I was like a wild animal. I was just running around the house, taking all the clothes off, asking my husband, massage me. No, don't touch me. Okay, massage mm. me now. I didn't know how to stop. I didn't know what position to take. It was crazy for about five minutes. And then Alex told me, okay, get in the tub on all fours under hot water and just wait until I get there. I think this is it. This is the transition we've been waiting for. So just survive this moment because this is when your trauma began the first time and you went to the hospital. So just hang in there. Okay, hold on a second. I'm going to take a break and be right back. I have an incredible offer for you for my friends at Needed. An astounding 95% of women aren't meeting their omega-3 needs. Omega-3 fatty acids, especially DHA and EPA, are crucial for both mother and baby. They support brain and eye health, maternal mood, immunity, and much more. But it can be hard to get enough omega-3 from diet alone, especially during pregnancy when many people are averse to eating fish. 
And if you've ever taken a fish oil pill, you know just how unpleasant that can be. That's why I'm excited to share that my friends at Needed have revolutionized the Omega-3 supplement with two different options designed specifically for mamas. An Omega-3 powder that blends into smoothies and a pill option that tastes like fresh citrusy bergamot. Both are sustainably sourced from vegan algae, not fish. Both are great options for nausea and sensitive prone mamas. Needed's Omega-3 powder is delivered in liposomes, nature's very cool way of protecting and delivering Omega-3 just like in breast milk. Needed's Omega-3 is clinically proven to be five times better absorbed than fish oil pills. The powder is mild tasting and it pairs great with Needed's prenatal multi-powder and collagen protein powder in a daily smoothie. If powder isn't your thing, Needed's got you covered with those Omega-3 plus capsules, which have a pleasant citrus flavor. Needed is sharing in awesome pre-order discount just for my listeners buy two get one free on either omega-3 option powder or capsules you can stock up on either one or try them both with this exclusive discount use code three berlin the number three berlin at this is needed.com put three omega-3s in your cart use the code number three berlin at this is needed.com buy two get one free Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Anastasia Rule. She is, at this point in the story, having a five-minute-long contraction. And your midwife, Alex, kind of warned you that because of you had trauma last time, something like that might happen again. And to be aware of it, can you tell us just briefly, because anybody can listen to the first episode and hear the full story, but briefly, what was your trauma from last time? Last time... After my waters broke and I labored at home for exactly 24 hours, that's when my baby passed meconium and I had to transport to the hospital. And when I arrived to the hospital, I was about six, seven centimeters dilated. And this is when the nightmare began. I had a back labor, a lot of pain and pressure in my lower back and no progress. Ah, which led to C-section and the whole traumatic experience the first time, planning a home birth. So this time, I didn't know that I was dilating closer to six or seven centimeters, but all of a sudden, this strong, intense contraction came and it wasn't going away. lasted for about five minutes, long enough for my husband to call Alex and to just have a long conversation with her about what we need to do. So after removing all the clothes while running around the house, trying to find a position and asking my partner to massage me or yelling at him not to touch me the next moment, uh, I was advised by the midwife to just go and be on my all fours in a hot shower and try to manage like that. And I did for about an hour long until she got there. Uh, was that calming for you? It was. It was the only thing I could do. I did not want to get out from the tub, although my body temperature was over 100 degrees. And not from a fever. I didn't feel fever, but probably because I was so overheating. I used the hottest water possible (laughs) for that um, intense sensation in my whole body. Because just think about it. I've never been there before. That was something completely new. It is my second birth, but... My body's treating like the first one and I'm in complete shock. <laughs> what is happening? I've never felt this before. So Alex got there. Somehow they pulled me out of the tub, 
although I fought them so hard because I was scared. I was scared to change a position. And you scared I, that the intensity would increase? Yes, and that perhaps it was a back labor again because it felt very similar, although different. Different. Mm. I did feel you said progress. this time you didn't really feel it as pain as much as pressure. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think I was so, at that point, aware that that was the transition I was waiting for and I have to rewrite my trauma. Like I have to accept this transition and keep going past this point. Uh, so I think I did. It was my first victory in this battle. This is how I felt. I'm like, okay, if I can get past this moment, I can do this. And then I think all my neighbors heard me scream. I was just screaming until the baby was born from that point. <laughs> but screaming why? Because you said you didn't really feel pain. So is it just uh, a natural noise that comes out of you? It was just wild. Yeah, it was just wild and raw. And Oh my gosh. You keep using the word transition. Is that something that you felt or something that your midwife told you? She did tell me and I did feel the whole labor change after that. This is when I was probably exercising any position I could think of. I was laboring by myself. I was laboring with the women in my room trying to massage me. I was calling my partner in and out. It was like <laughs> a dream. I can't really recall all the sequence of events, but it was a lot of everything. And yeah, there was no pain, but I was so in this moment of wildness. It was beautiful, but also scary. So from this point forward, the labor was kind of a blur again. And we had a few moments when Alex literally was sending me to the hospital because it was taking so long. And she was already offering me antibiotics many times. And I think 36 hours into laboring, I said, yes, okay, give me the IV. So I got antibiotics at home and um, I could not imagine me getting in the car and drive to the hospital with contractions so intense and so close together. I think I had another challenge with a baby and another milestone that I'm going to mention is that the baby's head started molding. Oh yeah. And that's what happened with my first baby. And I knew that I can only go and let him expand for so much before he cannot pass through my birth canal. So it was very nerve-wracking moment plus there was a cervix slip that would prevent my baby's head from descending the right way and the midwife's assistant just kind of like went inside manually and luckily <laughs> flipped that lip backwards oh, wow. I can't, yeah and it worked it worked luckily it worked because that increased the speed and the descendants of the baby's head down so it was also a very helpful moment. You're unmedicated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could you describe what that sensation felt like, moving the lip out of the way? I honestly didn't feel it at all. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. From what people told me afterwards is that I was very swollen down there. And I'll tell you why. So my urge to push, Alex called it a little bit, premature urge to push she let me do it at about nine centimeters because i was so ready and i pushed for four hours so what people told wow. me that i was so swollen that my insides were flipping out and they were all swollen oh. and purple in color oh so you're just saying it wasn't hard to get to your cervix 
Well, I think the main problem was my bones. My bones were just too narrow. And what Alex was trying to do is push them apart with her hands. Oh, and I think my problem was that I so practiced to breathe my baby down with all the hypnobirthing classes I took that when she was like, okay, time to push. I was like, how do I do it? (laughs) (laughs) I've never had to push a baby out. And it took me a good 40 minutes maybe to figure out what it is in general, pushing a baby. And I think it messed me up a little bit. (laughs) I don't think I'm a good breather in general. And now when people say, okay, take as much breath in as you can and hold it and push with another part of your body, I was struggling. I was struggling. It took me so long. And my white bones and just a long time for the baby to come down. But the baby was a champion. They checked his heartbeat after every contraction and push. And he was very strong. And Yeah, at this yeah. point, are you just in another planet? Or oh, yeah. are you still... <laughs> so no more like thinking maybe we're going to not be able to have the baby at home or maybe we'll have to have another cesarean. Interestingly enough... Everyone else suggested that I should go to the hospital multiple times, that I should take um, a pedural and rest and then try to push again. My partner had fears and um, was already ready to jump in the car. But I was the only one Mm -hmm. who probably suffered the most, or at least it looked like that to all these people. But I could not give up. I kept finding this energy and strength and force in me and... A few times I said, how much longer can I go? But I felt like I had to keep going and I could. And for exactly four hours, I was trying to push with little progress every time. Well, let's take another little break. And then when we come back, we'll hear the rest of the story. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Anastasia, and in her second birth story, she is now almost 40 hours into it and pushing and pushing and pushing. People around her are feeling like she looks like she's being tortured. She should go to the hospital and get an epidural and the discomfort and get some rest, but inside, she feels like she must keep going. So while you're pushing, I mean, four hours of pushing, and you said your midwife, Alex, felt like your pelvic bones were just close together and needed to separate. Also, I think it's helpful for other people to know you're super athletic. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. <laughs> well, it's a great thing in some ways, but when you're super athletic, you just have a stronger anatomy that your body has to push your baby through. And sometimes, When they're not lined up just perfect, if they are, they could slide right out. But if they're not lined up just perfect, it's a lot of work on your body and and baby to work together to bring the downward movement. And you said Alex kind of reached in and tried to help manually create a little more space. What are some of the other things that you did as pushing just went on? Well, she told me to visualize that my bones are opening up. And an interesting thing is at the end of my pregnancy, I drew a lot of art, kind of like birthing art. One is a baby inside a uterus and it's kind of encircled in the bone structure with flowers and plants so my doula Irina kept whispering into my ear imagine that the leaves are opening up and the bones are spreading so I did that I tried everything I know people were praying for me and I was just 
trying to do my part too. There was no pain at the point of pushing. I think just the obstacles in terms of my anatomy is what kept me <laughs> from reaching the success more. Are you pushing oh, in water or are you on bed? Uh, no water because my water is broke. For too uh, long already. Yeah, and the risk of infection, I never Never got to be in the water. Yeah. So are you trying different positions on land? Yes, I tried the birth stool. I tried on my back in a ladybug position. I tried on top of my partner. What did I not try? <laughs> um, did any of them wall, feel more or less comfortable than the others or more or less productive? Uh, it's hard to say. I think I would get to the point of beginning to progress in one position and then I would get tired of it. Like my legs would start shaking, let's say on the birth stool and I would have to go and change it. And then by the time I get to a little progress, I get tired of this position again. So I had to change multiple times. So closer to four hours of pushing, we just decided that we need a little help. It was already Saturday morning about 7 a.m. And Alex suggested that we call Dr. Stu and get a little help with a vacuum from him. And just everything was working out so perfectly, like meant to be. It was the first variable that we got from the baby right before he walked in. And Dr. Stu doesn't like uh, using vacuum for babies who show any sign of variable. So it was probably our last chance. And I just kept pushing even when he got here. I just could not stop. <laughs> I, so I remember. Let's talk about a couple of things. A variable mm -hmm. meaning the baby's heart rate was less stable, like not just whoosh, 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 but kind of coming down a little bit or going up a little bit. Um, see, I don't even know because I found out about the first variable after the baby was born. No one okay. even told me. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so and I then the idea was Dr. Stu, right, or suction in general, vacuum mm -hmm. sort of extractor, is a little suction cup that goes on the baby's head because they could see the baby's head, right? The shoulders are having a hard time getting through. The rest of the baby's head is having a hard time getting through. But you could just see the top, top of the baby's head. And sometimes, like I said earlier, if it's not lined up just right, all that pushing doesn't really go anywhere. The neck is just flexing and flexing and, mm -hmm. and not really moving down. So if they can put a suction cup on there, a little vacuum, and then gently pull the head in the necessary direction while you're pushing, then oftentimes that can help bypass the issue or overcome the issue and have the baby come through. Okay, so Dr. Stu's there doesn't like doing the vacuum when there are variables. So did he consider not doing it? No, he walked in so fast. He was like an angel, honestly. <laughs> or maybe I perceived him that way. He walked in, he looked at me down there and he's like, this is going to work. I was so close. Look, you could see the baby's head. It just needed exactly, as you said, that little tweak to pull the baby's head in the right direction to kind of like breathe in underneath the bone structure. So I think the first time it popped and second time the head was born <laughs> and uh, he let oh, wow. us touch it and get to know our baby. <laughs> it what was, was so that surreal. like to feel the baby's head out? Uh, surreal. He was like, look, this is your baby. My partner was there holding my right leg up. My doula was holding my left leg up and this head in between my legs. And then second later, the whole body was born and <laughs> he sneezed. He pooped <laughs> meconium oh wow and, and then next moment he was on my chest which i've never experienced before with my first one they never even showed my baby to me and this is the magical moment the baby's head is on my chest 
he lifts the head up, his eyes are still closed, he opens his eyes and looks straight into my eyes as if saying, hello, I know Aww. where you are, you're my mom. And the rest was just beautiful, ah, magical moment with everyone in the room. And I just tangibly felt so much happiness and feeling so surreal that it actually happened. It happened at home. I did not have any tears. This baby's on me. He's still connected with me through the umbilical cord. It's still pulsing. All the things I always wanted, now they're real. They're happening right now in this moment. And the rest is just history, you know. <laughs> Such a beautiful ending to an intense journey. I will just maybe to clarify, so the suction cap, the vacuum, just kind of gently attaches to the head and it's set for a certain amount of suction that if you overcome the amount of pressure that it's set to it just pops off so that you don't over pull on the baby so that's what you meant when you said the vacuum popped off and then there's protocols you can only try it a certain number of times and after that you know it's a sign it's not going to work you don't want to over stress the baby so you can't keep going so it popped off one time you said right and the second time you guys were able to teamwork it out Yes, it was a lot of uh, cheering for me. <laughs> the neighbors were probably waking up, and I'm sure they all heard it. Uh, I think Dr. Stu was probably helping with some pressure on my belly, but mm -hmm. I was pushing out of my wits. And oh, that's another moment I do want to share with people. It's not painful to have a baby. Actually, it was so ecstatic and pleasant when that head was coming out of me that I would never have it any other way, honestly. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Was, I'm glad that yeah. you didn't feel pain. It sounds like your body just cooked up some incredible medications of its own to help mitigate the pain for you and for the baby, and also to put you in that euphoric mood. And yeah. you had a great experience. Your first experience left you traumatized. Yeah. And I just wonder, did this one sort of remedy some of that trauma for you yes i feel like he healed all of us all of us in the room so alex's assistant kaylee she was actually pregnant at the moment and just hearing her saying things like oh you're so strong you inspire me and for my partner and for me i feel like we all healed from the first experience and uh my super wise, strong baby rewrote that bad experience. It's a magical story. At first sight, maybe it wasn't perfect, but actually it was. It was just perfect the way it should have happened. We had it at home and <laughs> dreams and our hopes, everything happened in that room. He was born in our couch, so. <laughs> uh, he's gonna end up watching a lot of TV. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's a very mm -hmm. personal story. You know, everybody has the different thing that makes them feel safe and comfortable, a different vision of what they want. And you really did your homework, looked out at what the options are and made it a very specific definitive choice. And then you went after it with everything you had and you got what you wanted. So congratulations to you and your thank partner. You. And now you're juggling two babies, so I'm not going to take up any more of your time. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't um, have it. Yes. Yeah, I know. And I look forward to seeing you soon. Coming in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. It wasn't easy. I had to fight for it. But be back at home is possible.
you just got to work hard, do everything you can and believe and have an amazing team. My team is probably someone I am so grateful the most. My partner, my midwife, her assistant, you, Dr. Berlin, who uh-huh. took care of me for so long. Alicia Tamburi, my hypnobirthing therapist, and many, many other people. And Dr. Stewart, the vacuum in the dustpan. Yes. (laughs) Okay. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you want to connect with us, find us on the Instagram. You've heard of it. It's Dr. Berlin, D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. I got a